I mean, I guess the same thing goes for musicians, you know, like definitely there are some players that like play and write and come up with all this super crazy stuff. And then, you know, a metalcore band will cover a Taylor Swift song and get like hundreds of millions of, you yeah. know, like, yeah, it's really sad. <laughs> Welcome to the show. This is my show. Thanks for tuning in. Here it comes again. Alrighty, hello everybody. Today I have Stevie Boyger. Boy, was it Jure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Boyger. Apparently it's French. <laughs> well, see, whenever I was recalling it in my head, I was thinking it was Boyger. I was thinking, oh, cool, I get to go Boyger. <laughs> yeah, I get I get Boyger a lot, and then also people that take it the other direction are like oh is it bonsoir i'm like <laughs> yeah i, I little, mean maybe too far maybe if you live in france or something yeah. but well how are you doing today doing well man i'm glad that like i mean you know it's it's wet and rainy outside but it's much preferable to how it's been yes for a while <laughs> yeah at the time of recording this we just got through with a pretty righteous ice storm for what a solid week yeah i mean what was it uh last saturday was yeah. the coldest it's been here since 1989 the year i was born i'm old um and then also i guess that's only happened four times or reached that temperature like four times here yeah. within like the last 200 years that's insane yeah reaching that temperature but also keeping that low temperature for that those, those consecutive days mm -hmm. i mean it was hell on all of our plants and stuff oh yeah absolutely all right, since you already mentioned what year you're born, that's usually how I start. Oh, sick. What is <laughs> what is your age and what do you currently do for a living? Uh, I am 31 and uh, I mean aside from like music stuff, I just work in retail. That was kind of like my gig that I picked up that I was able to come and go with touring and stuff, especially since right. I joined Inferior and started doing that much more frequently. It was just a little easier for me to be able to you know, come back, pick up hours, and then give them a notice of being like, hey, in two months, I'm going to be gone for a month or two months or three months or whatever. And it was kind of just easy, you know? Yeah. Because so. a lot of retail places usually have a lot of rotation. People mm -hmm. not sticking around very long or, or yeah, whatever. Turnover is pretty crazy. <laughs> turnover is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, so what do you, what's your preference in retail? Like what type? Uh, I mean, I like doing food stuff just because I feel like it's a... I don't, it makes me feel like I'm contributing a little more than just sure. like selling off random material yeah. stuff. Buy, you know? my, buy the shirt. Yeah. So, and I mean like during, during the storm, like we literally had people were panic buying stuff just cause they knew it was going to be super cold. A lot of people were losing power. A lot of people were losing water. So like after a couple days, our dairy cooler was a hundred percent empty. There's literally like nothing in it. Uh, our freezer was mostly empty. Um, we couldn't keep water. A lot of people were having trouble getting around because of the ice, too. So I remember there was one day we had like 50 call-outs. And I was the only person in like all of food and was like, okay, cool. It looks like I'm probably going to be working at least like 12 hours today. Yeah. Uh, and the nice thing, though, was like people coming into the store were like thanking me for being there and for putting out like yeah. just stuff and being like, oh, my God, you guys have bread. No one else Mm -hmm. that I've been to has bread and like we need this because it's just you know I don't have power and it's I can get this and some peanut butter and do something so uh that side of it's kind of cool yeah for sure yeah I noticed that in the grocery store when I went in 
you know, a few times hearing somebody genuinely say thank you. You know, I really appreciate you being out here, you know, helping everyone get food and <laughs> the stuff yeah. that they need. Because, uh, yeah, it was pretty awful a few of those days. Like, I have one truck that's four-wheel drive, so I can get around decent mm-hmm. in some areas. But, yeah, as far as the work is concerned, I'm usually driving, you know, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour yeah. to get somewhere. So Oof. passing lots of bridges and back roads or whatever around this little country areas and stuff where I'm working at right now. And, yeah, I don't want any part of that. Yeah, I lived in Colorado for... 20-ish years. Uh, And I mean, like, I just have a little two-wheel drive Mazda, but because I've had so much experience driving through, like, more snow and ice and stuff like that, it kind of wasn't as big of a deal. I just tried to avoid areas of high traffic or places that I thought would be high traffic while I was getting around. And I didn't really struggle a whole lot. I mean, at first it was a little bit of a shock to the system because I was like, Oh shit! They don't do snow plows here. Okay, so I kind of got to think yeah. about how it's a how little to, different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So besides that, what else is, in your opinion, being around snow and stuff for as long as you have been before? What could we have all done better? Um, I mean, the big thing with driving in the snow is just like, at least for me, I always go under the speed limit. Just give myself plenty of time to brake and slow down before I'm supposed to hit a light mm-hmm. or you know, more distance following people so that you're not as close. So if when you do go to initially break or whatever, like you end up being on some ice, you're not just immediately going to hit someone. You'll have a little bit more time to see how things respond. And then uh, if you're in something that is front wheel drive, one thing that I know a lot of people back home would do in times like that is they would put like sandbags and stuff in their trunk just add like a little bit of extra weight to the back of their vehicle so they wouldn't fishtail as hard and stuff like that. Kind of a few easy things about it. Right. And maybe not be so impatient. Yeah. Just give yourself like an extra 20 or 30 minutes to, you know, if you're, if you're going anywhere that's more than like five minutes away or whatever, budget yourself to have plenty of time. Or if you're going to be late, you're going to be late. It's not the end of the world, especially here. I feel like there were probably so many people in every industry that just didn't make it to work that week or, Mm -hmm. you know, places where people didn't feel comfortable driving or anything like that. So I'm pretty sure that. You know, even if you showed up, no one's going to give you shit for being a little late because you actually yeah, you're there showed at up. least. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like if you have the ability to, if you're not stranded completely and you have the ability to go somewhere, I mean, that's a blessing right there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just there's no need to be so impatient or want to be, feel like you have to rush to get somewhere because every single turn is danger, you mm-hmm. know, especially when you're stopping. It's all the stopping spots. Like you're saying, if you're too close... There's just no telling how far you're going to slide yep. from how fast you're going. <laughs> yeah. Anxious dude. times right there. Totally. Style or uh, kind of like dialing back. But originally when I moved down here, I was supposed to be picking up a gig with like a special effects and like lighting company. But, you know, I moved here right before the shutdown. And so everything related to that industry is completely closed. Like I, uh, I had a bit of experience working at an audio warehouse uh, called Clearwing. Mm-hmm. when I was living in Denver. And most of what I did there was like unloading trucks from all of the gear that came back from shows, taking it apart, scanning it back into the system. So I would be like assembling or disassembling like wireless in-ear monitors uh, and monitoring systems and stuff like that. Each of the individual components, uh, mics, huge cabinets and speakers and stuff like that. Just kind of like either putting the things together and loading them into trucks to go out to larger tour packages or places like Red Rocks or receiving 
taking them apart, scanning all the stuff back in and like putting it back in the warehouse. Right. Um, so, yeah. But unfortunately, wasn't able to do that here. So I kind of just defaulted back to the other thing just because, you know. Yeah, especially if you have experience in retail. I mean, you can kind of apply that almost anywhere because I guess a lot of it's really the same yeah type of setup i would imagine mm -hmm. the only as far as structure goes the only thing that really changes like there are a few things that change from company to company but a lot of it's the same philosophies you know just a few different ins and outs and then like uh one thing that i think is kind of funny in my store is like people will switch to different work centers and they'll be 100 percent thrown off and act like they've never done it before ever and it's like you're literally doing the same thing <laughs> just you just have a different thing that you're putting on a shelf or putting in yeah. a place in the back room or finding for someone so. yeah yeah, just probably getting frustrated over the little stuff that's not exactly the same as yeah. where they were before. Yeah. What would you think about the weather and atmosphere and everything here if you grew up here versus in Colorado where you were? Oh, well, that's that's an interesting question because I was actually born here. Uh, okay, so you moved to Colorado. Yes. So I, I was born in Austin and... Um, I think the first time I went to Denver, I was like seven or eight. My mom moved up there. And so I would go up there for a year and live with my mom. And then I would come back down here for a year and live with my dad and just kind of went back and forth until I was like 13 or 14. And I just okay. stayed up there. So you got to experience both. Yeah. But I, I'd never seen snow before other than like on TV until I went there the first time. Like, right. you okay. know, and uh, that, like I said, I was like already seven or eight, you know, so that's mm -hmm. multiple you know winters here and then i remember at least when i was a kid we always had the first snow there it was like the week of halloween and i remember that because it ruined so many halloween yeah, costumes right. or like you know i was like oh cool i can either freeze to death or i have to wear this coat over my yeah. yoshi outfit or whatever <laughs> right <laughs> what's the point yeah yeah exactly so well that kind of sucks i was just wondering because same for me. I didn't have snow in my life till way later. I think I think Colorado might have been my first time seeing it as well, just going through on vacation. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting there, and it was cold. We had I mean, it was cold enough to just wear a light jacket or something. It wasn't too terribly cold. Yeah. And then later in the day, it got to shorts, sandals, tank top weather, and then within an hour, it was snowing. Yep, and <laughs> I was like, "Wait, this is not normal. I've never experienced anything like this. The fluctuation of temperature throughout the day, but yeah. of course, we experience it here in Texas, just not the same <laughs> yeah, temperature just, range. It doesn't dip down as low, yeah. like I guess. Uh, but the whole time I lived there, like I mean, in my car, I always I had like a spare hoodie. I usually kept a coat in my trunk mm -hmm. that just kind of like lived there. It was like a tertiary one, just in case. Uh, and then would always just have gloves in my glove box, just." You know, because yeah. the weather there is like seriously insane. Or like I remember days of getting up and it's kind of a little rainy. And then, like you said, sun comes up. Everything's really like bright, warm, gets up to like, you know, 60s, 70s, uh, maybe even higher. And then by like 6 p.m., cold, dark, starts to snow. It's yeah. like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the music stuff you've got cooking and what you're... Uh working on right now sure or what you've previously released that you'd like to mention or talk about um so i guess uh technically the the newest or most recent release would be in Furies of sunless realms which was an ep that we had put out last year in october so just to kind of give like a little bit of backstory i moved to dallas uh march of 2020 
with my girlfriend Whitney and we you know I spent like my first month or so here just kind of like hanging out adapting to things you know living in a new place it was the first time I've lived in Texas like as an adult and then everything kind of shut down I was like all right cool well I have plenty of work to do now so that is totally fine and um I recorded uh, a record for my black metal band Ashen Horde, um, like April of last year. It hasn't been released yet, but likely coming out later this year on Transcending Obscurity Records. They actually just released a single for it with their uh, compilation that they put out not too long ago. That has a bunch of really killer bands on it. Immediately after that, went back to working on the Inferior Full Length, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we kind of planned, uh, so we knew we were recording our album with Dave Otero, and so um, we did this tour with Shadow of Intent, Signs of the Swarm, and Brand of Sacrifice last year, and uh, we had some other dates that were supposed to be happening later in the year with some really cool bands, and we're like, cool, well, let's pay for half of the record up front, and then once we do you know, this other tour, we'll take the rest, some of the money from that, and we'll pay the rest of the studio bill off. We'll you know, everything shut down and uh, we weren't able to do those dates. And we're like, oh, cool. Well, how do we want to come up with like this last grand? And, you know, definitely don't want to just take the hit and pay it out of pocket. So we're like, you know what? We're in the process of cutting down tracks for the album. So let's just take some of these other songs, record and release an EP ourselves, and then use the money that we get from that to pay off the rest Mm. of the studio bill. Right. So that's kind of like, where the idea of, of of sunless realms came from okay um the songs were already in the works so we didn't have to like completely write them from scratch uh except for my parts which you know kind of kind of <laughs> was stressful because a lot of times like vocal patterns and lyrics are sort of the last piece of the puzzle uh-huh. to come into play so i was already like oh cool i'm kind of behind everyone writing the full length and Bam, five more songs dropped on my plate. It's like, all right, cool. We'll see <laughs> see what I can do for this. And um, yeah, the EP was born and then immediately went back to writing the full length. Uh, we all flew out to Denver in September of last year, knocked that out. And, you know, a final mix and masters and everything. Just kind of waiting a little bit to, to start releasing things for that. So people can definitely look for that later this year. Awesome. How long did your part take in recording? Um, for the album, it took me, I think it was like a week or five days, really. Um, How many songs? Enough. Enough okay. songs. <laughs> don't I don't want to. I don't want to. No, that's fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> that I haven't heard already be spoiled. Uh, but you're the homie, so we can totally talk about that <laughs> sure. off there. Yeah. But um. Yeah, one cool thing that I got to do with this one since, like, you know, when I, all the stuff that I've done for Ashen Horde, really, I've recorded myself, the Equipoise stuff I wrote and recorded myself, a lot of the, or all of the end of an era rebirth, I recorded all those parts myself, so one thing that was different about this was that since we were with Dave, and the whole band was actually there, like, I live in Dallas, Spencer, Malcolm, and Mike, uh, our guitar players and drummer, live in Nashville, and Andrew, our bass player, lives in Denver. Since we were all together, we could actually get input on ideas that people had while I was tracking. So, like, Malcolm and I kind of partnered together. I wrote the majority of the lyrics and vocal phrasing for the album, but he definitely contributed. There's a song on it that I think 
he probably wrote like 80 or 90 percent of and i kind of just got to fill in the last couple bits which was nice Hmm. but then even in the uh recording process you know it was usually malcolm dave and i all in the room and so i would record something and dave would be like oh that's you know cool we got a, a really solid take of your idea um let's try this or you know malcolm would be like hey i like this part let's tweak this ending thing a little bit so there was definitely a lot more experimentation and so i think that added a lot to like how many days of recording it took to get stuff done but overall i think that it's really cool we got some really excellent ideas and um you know definitely some uh new things stylistically and vocally kind of was able to experiment and create some things that i really like that i've never done before that's cool yeah it's good to have somebody in there to kind of give a different perspective or push a yeah. little bit in a different direction. Yeah. And as long I mean, as everyone's open-minded to it. Exactly. Exactly. And I know that you're no stranger with like recording and like sending someone a file of something, but there's a totally different energy. And it's like, I feel like it's a lot easier to read people when you're in the room with someone and they're trying to give you feedback on it or something as mm-hmm. opposed to like, them just sending you another file back or being like, oh, yes, this thing between 46 and 52, maybe <laughs> yeah. we should, and trying to do it that way, because I don't, I don't know, that digital medium for that can be kind of awkward. It is a little awkward. Yeah, I've got a, a, a couple of those going on. It's kind of the same. Yeah. You know, what sucks is I have only a certain lauded time to mess with any vocal stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, usually I do it when Chantel is out or something so it's one less distraction or noise to to worry about outside you know since i don't have this room soundproofed or anything yeah and since she works at home now i don't have as much time for that so i record things and then i'll send it out and then you know i hear something back whenever 30 minutes later an hour later next day or mm-hmm. whatever and then hey, we'll try this like, yeah it's not a problem but it just sucks because I'm in the mode, the mood and mode right now to record, mm-hmm. and I wish I had that back and forth available right now, you know, yeah, live, definitely. real time. It seems to work way better, way faster, obviously. But sometimes it's cool because I can do things on my own time, mm-hmm. but if you know, I get a lot of notes back, then <laughs> it gets a little frustrating, but... I guess it's just part of the process. It's it's cool to be able to do that, though. Yeah. Instead of having to wait for someone to be in town or you have to go visit them or whatever, you have the ability to just send and record whenever you want to. Yeah. I mean, like, that sort of, uh, like, the internet as a medium allows for collaborations that in any other time period wouldn't have really existed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Equipoise, for example, none of us live in the same anywhere like sanjay lives in baltimore nick lives in pennsylvania uh hugo lives in canada somewhere chasen lives in vegas i live here uh you know jimmy lives in missouri so it's like we are literally scattered all over but i i honestly like love seeing stuff like that from people when it's like people that live in different states cities countries whatever are able to kind of collaborate over the internet make songs together or or put out different videos and stuff like that yeah it's really cool yeah the difference now i guess would be almost everybody has like a recording studio or Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something that you could use that you don't have to go pay a thousand dollars a day for you know whatever studio just to record some vocal parts you know just go in the bedroom and or just go in the uh, little library room over here or whatever yeah. the hell you have it's i mean especially with vocals dude if you have like a couple hundred bucks just to set up with basic supplies you know yeah. get, get yourself like a scarlet 2i2 a decent recording mic 
uh, you know, and then if you already have a computer, if you want to use something free for now, you can go with Reaper. If you want to go balls deep and just like dive into it, you know, you can get logic or whatever and just kind of like you're you're good to go. You're yeah, like, you're yeah. set up. So, yeah, <laughs> I remember the old four track days for <laughs> my old stuff that I think I still have some of those old tapes. So much easier to do now, especially drums. Like I couldn't do anything with drums. Oh, you know, before yeah. I just have tapes full of guitar riffs. That's that's it. Mm-hmm. Just guitar riffs or really awful sounding drums that I had on my, you know, Yamaha keyboard or something. Yeah. <laughs> Some really old school gross R and B drums or something with a metal riff behind it. <laughs> It's so, not really interesting. Question for you. What's it like tracking vocals with, like, you have multiple dogs. Yeah, I've, I've got some some tracks that have some barks in the background. Yeah. I mean, they don't usually make it onto a recording, yeah. <laughs> but I definitely have some saved somewhere. Uh, I feel like that's probably got to be kind of like a tricky thing, because a lot of times yep. I feel like, you know, dogs are very responsive animals. They'll be like, what's that going on in there? And, right. You know. Not too much in here as far as like trying to get in the room, you mm-hmm. know, unless I have somebody in here that they're more familiar with and they're really excited to see and they, you know, they know they get affection from, they want to be in here also. Ah, okay. But not really that bad. It's usually just noise outside and making them bark or whatever. It's it's nothing. Uh, they're, they're usually not too bad. Nice. But when one starts, that's when the next one goes and then the other one goes. Yeah, so then like you've got three going and... Cascading effect. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Ichabod, the husky, is usually last, and he ends up getting pretty loud. Mm. He doesn't howl as much as he used to, but it's just like a... Ah! <laughs> it's just a weird, awkward, high pitch. Ah! Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Something like he's that. Trying, he's trying to be your hype man. He's yeah. just like in the back. <laughs> it reminds me of Bryce Butler. You've seen him when he, ta- when he, <laughs> when he yeah, gets into those modes, he right? so happy. He's just oh my God, the goes, ah! <laughs> I love Bryce. <laughs> So what do you have, uh, as far as bands go, what what are active bands that you're with right now or working with? So uh, active projects right now, In Fury, Equipoise, Tethys, and Ashen Horde. I feel like Trevor is probably itching to start recording more Ashen Horde stuff again since we... Uh, we usually have like a release a year um, Mm -hmm. or we have done two a year uh, in years prior. I think in 2020, we had a, a full length and an EP that we put out. Um, wow. He's pretty prolific with, with writing. And so, but yeah, I mean, I, we're, Ashen Horde has a record that's coming out hopefully later this year, most likely. In Fury is just kind of in content creation mode right now, mm-hmm. uh, since we're sitting on a record already. Um, I have, I think, like, seven or eight new Tethys songs that I need to start working on. I've just been trying to recover recently. Like I had uh, COVID in oh, December. Right. And so it kind of hit at like the worst or well, not the worst. It, it hit at a bad time. I mean, there's never a good time, I suppose. Uh-huh. But like uh, once I was done with the new and fury album, uh, I was like, you know, did two albums an EP and some features already this year. I feel like I've been going pretty nonstop. I'm going to take a break. So I kind of took a break from like just doing vocals and worrying about music stuff for like a month. And right at the end of that, I got sick. And then, so that was kind of like, you know, a couple weeks of actually being sick. And then there were several weeks, uh, post sickness where just like my vocal cords felt just really shitty Mm -hmm. Uh, my throat hurt a lot still it was just kind of like a lingering sickness which was weird because i didn't actually cough a whole lot 
but right. I felt like I had the effects weighing on me having had the cough for like a month long or something like that. It's very strange. Yeah, dude. I mean, the virus is really weird. My girlfriend and I both had it. We had a number of symptoms that were the same. She had a fever. Hers presented with a really high fever and stuff. I didn't have a fever at all the entire time. She got the cough. I didn't. Other than like those things, we had pretty much all of the same other symptoms like headache, body ache, a bit of nausea, just absolutely no energy, just totally Mm. wiped out. Uh, Just kind of felt like I was dehydrated for weeks, Um, no matter how much water I took on, no matter how many times I like tried to revitalize myself with electrolytes and, you know, eating properly and stuff like that. It just kind of felt like it was running on empty even for a couple weeks afterwards. Any taste loss or smell? Uh, it happened to me for like towards the end of everything. First, I lost my sense of smell and then the taste sort of slowly like went out the window also. Smell was also the first of the two to come back, but it was probably like maybe a week, week and a half um, towards the end of it. Like, I, I want to say it didn't present until like maybe like day 10 or 11. So, wow. yeah, it's kind of weird. Would you be able to adjust to that if that was like a forever thing, losing your smell and taste? I mean, I like, how was that? I, I would definitely be able to adjust to it. I feel like it, I mean, it was, it was just more weird than anything. A, a smell, especially, I feel like is, you know, a lot of times if you ask people if they are going to lose one of their senses, like which sense that like most people default to that. But then like when it was absent, I didn't realize how many things were triggered by that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the fact that it, it can trigger you having an appetite. Uh, or um, whether or not to go into a place because of the quality of the air or because of, you know, like one thing that my girlfriend said, she was like, well, we can't smell anything right now. So I really hope that there's not like a gas leak or a something like that. Cause like there's literally no way that you're going to have any knowledge yeah. of something like that. unless you're like, Oh wow. I'm like really fucked up all of a sudden. And by <laughs> that point, it's probably too late for you to do right. a whole lot. Enough time to figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would be weird, but I like, I feel like I could adjust to it. The taste thing was, uh, was kind of bizarre too, because then it was just like, the upside is I'm sure you could eat incredibly healthily, like, or right. like, you know, yeah. improve the quality of what you eat dramatically just because you're not motivated by taste. That's, mm-hmm. that's no longer a motivator to be like, I'm going to eat this mountain of chocolate because right. that's 100% me um, <laughs> or, or whatever. Cause like you could literally just prepare whatever and it doesn't matter how it smells or how it tastes as yeah. long as I guess the consistency wasn't gross on the sure. inside of your mouth, you know? Um, yeah, I feel like I might want to go to the grocery store and get maybe some really gross things just to see, you know, like take a bite out of an onion or uh, <laughs> bite into some garlic or just, something. Just to see what it's like. Yeah. Onion becomes the new apple. Yeah. You start, that would be kind of weird. I mean, cause you probably start tearing up, I guess, just the same. Oh yeah. But, that's a good point. Yeah. But some of that sensation wouldn't be there. Yeah. That's weird. Totally. Um, but like I was saying, like took that month off sick for a month. And then there was kind of like another month before I felt like I could really get back into doing vocals and stuff again. So I had to take like three and a half months off, which I don't think I've done since I was maybe early 20s or something like that. So when did you start 
or what age you start doing vocals uh, consistently, I guess? Like 17. Okay. Yeah. Kind of messed around with it when I was uh, 16 and like jammed. Mm-hmm. You can't see it, but air, air, air quotes. quotes. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with some friends. And um, I joined my first actual band that had like steady practices and were playing shows and stuff like that and trying to actually do things when I was like 17. And so uh, it was called Calculating Genocide. We were around for a couple of years, recorded a demo, put out an EP that was four tracks, and then we're working on a full length. Uh, I think we had like nine or 10 songs written for it. And <laughs> I feel bad because I kind of ruined this, but uh, I decided that I was going to join the military because I wanted to, I mean, my, my main goal was like, you know what? I want to be a surgeon. I think this would be a really, like a very interesting field. Anatomy was something that did and still does fascinate me, but I didn't want to pay the hundreds of thousands of dollars that go along with pursuing that kind of thing. So uh, my brother was already in the Marine Corps and was using that to gain uh, certifications and degrees at that point. And I was like, you know what, like, that's a really brilliant idea, depending on what your MOS is, like, there's a possibility that you might not even be deployed anywhere. So, you know, like, if he did it, I can do it. So I dipped into the Marine Corps, ended up quitting the band. Um, so did our lead guitar player that was the primary songwriter. So things for them kind of fizzled out and uh, took a break for a while. And I ended up getting honorably discharged from the delayed entry program after I had already taken the ASVAB and I knew what my MOS was. And this was short, like a, uh, a short time away from me actually going to basic. So I didn't even make it that far. Um, oh, wow. But uh, I ended up getting disqualified because I had a medical condition. I had to have uh, two different surgeries on my lungs. And um, after that, they were just like, you know, uh, my recruiter told me that I would be disqualified for sure. But he's like, I won't say anything if you can pass all of your physical fitness exams at the end of next month. And so I'd been in the hospital for two weeks uh i lost 20 ish pounds so i think i was down to like 125 at the time which is skin and bones yeah what is your height uh i'm five nine okay so yeah yeah, was looking real sickly um so once the hole in my side closed up and my lifting restriction was lifted i went ahead and started working out again and everything and i was able to pass all of my exams except for the runtime uh i might i just couldn't no matter how hard i pushed myself my lungs were just not having it which looking back on it is probably uh you know everything worked out okay i'm happy with where i'm at right now so but uh i took it really really hard at the time because i was like dude i just sidelined this project that i was with that had a lot of potential and you know kind of put all of my eggs into this basket and you know, like my body ultimately turned against me and uh, kind of like ruined it. So took some time off and then got back into music shortly after that. I joined this band called Enemy Rain. Uh, It was kind of like death metal with some core-ish aspects, I guess. Put out an album with them. Then I joined uh, Veil of Noth and was kind of just filling in for shows and tours until they asked me to actually join the band did Veil of Noth for a few years, uh, worked with Vance on another project called Dissonance and Design with our buddy Harrison and his brother Zach and our friend Nima. 
put out a record with them. And then that just kind of like cascaded into all of the bands that I'm in currently. So with all of the bands, do you approach all of them kind of the same way vocally? Or do you have like a different persona or style, I guess, for each one? So it really depends on the part, honestly. Uh, I feel like a lot of the vocal phrasing and the pacing and the style that I use for Ashen Horde is pretty different from everything else. Just because Ashen Horde is the the tempos aren't quite as fast. A lot of the parts are kind of like a little more drawn out, and it's definitely more on the black metal side. So I utilize more of like a raspy kind of thing with uh, sort of like different vocal layers to make sure that the parts have pronunciation that just sort of like fits the music a little more. I'm like really big into that, just like making sure that the type of voicing that I use. I feel like actually fits the the phrase rather than just being like, well, this is the lowest low I can do, or this is the yeah. highest high I can do over this. Also, with like you know, Tethys has a lot more of like the the mid range kind of vocal stuff that I I don't really. I think there's like maybe one Equipoise song that I did stuff like that on, and I don't I've never done anything like that for Inferior, so that kind of sets them apart, and then. I would say that Equipoise and Inferior are kind of like a little more similar in terms of my approach vocally, but like the music is a little more similar between <laughs> those two bands, even though I feel like they both have separate identities, uh, separate and very definitive identities. But just like, you know, that tempo is a lot faster. My phrasing gets a, a lot faster when it needs to be and stuff like that. So that sort of adjusts with, you know, the kind of vocal style and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you do any singing or is it all growly screamy uh well when it comes to recording it's all growly screamy um sometimes i'll like sing but when i'm like by myself and stuff like that mm -hmm. and uh i definitely do like melodic like warm-ups and stuff but um singing is not my strong suit so in any of the bands that i'm in if you ever hear someone singing like in tethys it's 100 quinn because he <laughs> has a beautiful voice or you know w when it's uh singing parts in ashen horde that is absolutely trevor because he's got a cool singing voice and i am very confident when it comes to like death metal vocals not like arrogant but like i i know what i can do mm -hmm. so um it's it's a muscle that i know how to use so uh, I'm not really nervous about that, but there's something about singing in front of people that like absolutely terrifies me. <laughs> I, I would literally rather if I had to stand in front of a group of people like at a show or something like that, I would literally rather just stand there naked and just not have clothes on than to fucking sing in front of <laughs> wow. people. Like that's just that's, that's pretty serious. Yeah. Real serious. <laughs> I get that fear also. I mean, I've sang a lot and I really enjoy singing, but if I'm put on the spot, it's like something that just switches in my head. Like, I, uh, I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know I, why. I think that part of it is like the voice is such a personal instrument because it's like it, you grew it, you know, like it's, it's something that versus if you're like trying to play a something else, you know, it's like, well, the guitar's in tune, dude. Uh, I don't know why you don't sound good. Like, right. <laughs> it's like me the other day with the eight string. I was just like, ripped and just like i don't know what to do there's too many strings <laughs> like <laughs> so how often do you play guitar do you play much um i mean i've definitely been playing more the last couple months uh i'm not like nearly as good as the people that i am in bands with um but it's been You're something some top tier 
guitarists, uh, well, I, musicians in general. I yeah. feel I feel very fortunate to be working with the people that I am because you know, like before I joined Inferior, they were like my favorite band for a long time, and so you know, I was Malcolm and I have been friends uh, over the internet for years. Same with Mike. Ultimately, I was just like, these guys are, you know, practically like gods yeah you know in in my eyes just because it's like oh i'm i mean that's that's unattainable for me i don't have any you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, well what is why i ask about singing too is what got you interested in vocals did you have like a song or a, a band or vocalist that that kind of put you over into i think i want to do vocals so I feel like a lot of people in my age group that do vocals probably have a very similar story, but uh, I honestly like wasn't really interested in it at all until I kind of started listening to to metal, and um, I remember like Slipknot's first two albums, I just had dove into so hard and like memorized every word to every song on both albums and stuff, and so... I kind of just like caught myself trying to imitate that sound. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I can actually like do this. And, it, you know, it doesn't sound bad. And so I kind of just went with it from there. I guess, you know, nice. Corey Taylor, I would have to say, was the person that kind of like got me to start actually singing along with stuff yeah. to begin with. And uh, from there, it kind of just like evolved with my taste in metal. I've never felt confident with singing so there were songs that you know i'd I'd learned and kind of like had in my head that i would sing along to if no one was around but that was like the you know like getting into the metal side of things was what made me want to do more and practice yeah i definitely enjoyed the slipknot stuff as well yeah like that's something i I couldn't do any any type of heavy stuff i wasn't aiming for growling or anything like that i was more into metallica and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so that was that's where a lot of my vocal style came from was just uh, early to mid Metallica range, somewhere in there. Yeah. And hearing, for me, I think it was Lamb of God. I walked into a record store somewhere. I never heard them. And I heard, I think it was uh, Now You've Got Something to Die For, I believe, was playing okay. on the speakers. And I thought, man, I didn't really like uh, growling vocals and s- screaming and stuff very much at all at mm-hmm. that time when I heard it. But there was something about that that seemed so unique, and I don't know what it was, but it was just like I just appreciated the hell out of it for some reason. I thought that, that's really cool. That that's, that sounds like it's not as easy to do as just you know yelling into a microphone. Yeah, you know how some people usually think if they're not around it and they don't see it in front of them, mm-hmm. they don't know that that there's more that goes into it. For the people that do it right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, that and like, I feel like Randy Blythe is a really great example too. Cause like, I feel like he has such a distinct and unique voice, mm-hmm. you know, like it's something that you hear people emulate and stuff, but especially if you look at the era that like, uh, as the palaces burn and, uh, Oh man, I'm totally blanking on the album that came out after that, that has, it's like my favorite record of the Ashes of the Wake. Ashes of the Wake, yeah. Uh, like especially like in the era that those two albums mm-hmm. came out, like he sounded completely unique. You know, like there yeah. was there was no one else that kind of did that vocal style, so you could immediately identify it as like, oh, cool, this is this is this guy. I, right. I know what band this is. Um, yeah, it, 
dude has like a lot of power a uh, uh, really cool range and uh writes some like really catchy and uh like crushing parts too yeah whenever you started incorporating more clean or you know like gritty clean stuff mm-hmm. it was really impressive because the notes that he was hitting are difficult for me to do normally and you know and adding like that extra grit and i guess screamy it's like a uh, pitched it's, scream, I yeah. guess, is what you'd say. And I, I mean, I, I feel like I cap out very low where I can't, I just can't fuse the two properly. I think hitting really high screams, just like a full on high scream, I feel like you probably could sing higher. You're able to access a higher range with your vocals, your chords, whatever it's, mm-hmm. h- however you're doing that. It's just a matter of, I guess, taking some of that grit out of the picture. I mean, there's probably some science behind it. I don't know the <laughs> the anatomy you're, of the throat. You're not you're not a throatologist, no, or whatever they call. I don't it. know any throatist throatotomy. <laughs> uh, but I kind of always thought that because I knew someone else that could do high screams like that, and they could access higher notes clean. Mm-hmm. And I thought there's got to be some sort of correlation there, you know. And then that's when because I didn't think I could do any high scream stuff for the longest time. But same thing. I thought I could sing kind of high, but I couldn't really get the screams that high. It just it didn't really work out that well. Hmm. Still never took lessons or anything like that. Or you know, I watched a couple of videos, but I feel like I'm probably better at imitating voices and sounds and stuff. I've always done that in my whole life. Just this is involuntary thing where I just impersonate somebody or I hear a weird sound in a room and I have to, I just I have to do it. imitate it. Yeah. So I've always done that, and I think that's what, whenever I let that go into, like, kind of take over, that's how I started to figure out how I think some people are doing some types of screams and growls and stuff, and I can get a little closer by just trying to imitate it. Like, well, how in the world are they doing this? You know, people have deeper voices or higher voices, too, so that comes into into play, obviously. But I think I've been able to reach a more range by just trying to imitate something. Yeah. And hopefully I'm just not doing it wrong. I'm going to ruin my my voice <laughs> quicker than I should. But that's, that's, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of like the fear. You know what I mean? How long can we do this? Yeah. Or there, I mean, you know, you have people that have been doing it for like years and years and years and still sound sick. Corpse Grinder. And Jeez. then you have uh, other people that used to be in Cannibal Corpse that, <laughs> that don't sound sick anymore. <laughs> Those that will not be named. <laughs> Oh boy, I'm getting hot. Hold on, give me a second. Yeah, man, some of that stuff. I that first song that was released when people really started throwing it out there. I thought, no, this is a joke. Yeah, this isn't real. Yeah, no, <laughs> and then the next song came out, like, and it what? was real. Well, the the first time, I mean, you know, I'm I'm. People do what they do. There are people that like it. It's great for the people that like sure, it. Yeah. Not not really my thing. But um I remember hearing the first one and I have you seen those shreds videos? Yes. Where yes. I, I thought it was right. like a thing like that and I was like, Oh, okay. And then <laughs> oh, I kind it's of funny. heard more and was like Oh well that's an interesting direction. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. I don't want to go too far into it, but yeah. really my thought was it's it's almost like somebody that doesn't know how to scream joining a metal band because they really want to, I want to be a front man. It's the friend. Right. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, just grab the mic, dude. Just yeah. give it hell. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Ugh. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work, man. Yeah. That's pretty sad. But, yeah, great example of, <laughs> of two different uh, people about how their progression has gone or how they can keep it up after so long. Yeah. I mean, with singers, too, like older singers, uh, Jesus, Aerosmith. Uh, Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler. You know, I think I've, I haven't heard anything from him in a long time, mm-hmm. but I feel like his voice has held up pretty damn well. Yeah. And there are others that, it might be like alcohol and cigarettes that have played a big part in other people's careers and lives also. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about that. Just just your voice, you know, your body aging. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's going to work against you. But yeah, if you're pouring down alcohol and sucking on cigarettes all day it's probably not going to be a good thing yeah probably not and then you have the the total oddballs you know like uh mick jagger is like he's 800 years old (laughs) he's done all of the drugs he's like you know and i mean granted like from what i've seen like he lives a very healthy lifestyle like Mm -hmm. you know like especially now it's just kind of crazy to think about how the versatility of the type of people that there are too because you know like, I know other people that, like, will fucking smoke hella weed before a show, and they're totally fine. And if I do it, I don't know if I'm, like, just in my own head mentally about it, but I always feel like, I'm like, man, like, I just, like, feel super dry, and, like, I can't, like, yeah. accurately, like, hit the, the notes that I want to hit or, you know, find myself into those things, so. Probably a lot more in your head than you think. Huh. But definitely dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, uh, yeah, I mean, like there was a time where like, especially when I was younger, it was like, like before we get on stage, yeah, sure. Why not? Cool. And then I remember, I don't know. I just like subconsciously, like just kind of ended up making this decision of like, ah, I'm just going to start being sober when we go out. Mm -hmm. And when I first started doing it, when it was like not drinking or smoking or anything before we played, which honestly, I think probably came about when I joined in fury. And I think it was just cause I was so nervous about messing up mm, the yeah. songs right. <laughs> that I was just like, no, I just want to be sober. Uh, it was kind of jarring at first, but then after after a little while, I was just like, when I'm like 100% in control of what I'm doing, like just there 100% mentally, and then the adrenaline kicks in, it takes me to like this whole other place. Yes. It's, yeah. 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 There's many, many shows that I've played not sober mm-hmm. whatsoever <laughs> and that's how it was for you know like the first few years at least of playing shows and it was mainly because i i had to have a drink before i get on there i want to be you know a little bit loose, loose. yeah i didn't want to be belligerent or you know mess up all my stuff but uh yeah i had to have some sort of edge taken off mm-hmm. you know and it was usually just a shot or maybe a couple of drinks but then after a while i started noticing if I had one extra drink, then my stomach would feel upset, you know, because at the time, this band, I was just playing guitar and singing at the mm-hmm. same time. So I'm messing up on the guitar because I'm not producing vocals the way I should. Then I start, It's then I really get into my head. For me, what I've noticed over the years, alcohol makes me an angry person. Mm-hmm. And not that I would like flip out on stage or like get upset with anybody. Yeah. If somebody messed up on stage, someone else in the band, I'm laughing. I, it's more myself. If I mess up, I'll laugh, but I'm still internally going to be pretty upset about it. But uh, if I had too much alcohol and I messed up, I'd, I would get really embarrassed. I would really 
get even more nervous and more anxious and then I'd mess up more. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's just like a never ending cycle of beating yourself up. But at first, did you have trouble with being on stage? Like, were you? No, not really. No. I mean, I think adrenaline would just take over for, for me. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's definitely butterflies and fear before getting on there, but it seems like once it's happening, it's like, uh, maybe getting on a roller coaster or something, you know, like there's, there's fear, but I'm, I'm now that I'm on there, like I'm, I, I can't jump off. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're doing this, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're going. So, uh, yeah, I would just have to deal with it. For and sure. Usually it was fine. There wasn't a whole lot of moments where I just locked up. I think maybe during a solo or something when I just completely went blank in my head and forgot what I was doing. And that is terrifying. Oh, that sounds, <laughs> yeah, that's like, realizing you're driving you're like oh shit i'm i'm driving a car right now what yeah and depending on how well people know your material mm -hmm. but sometimes with vocals you can probably just back away from the mic a little bit or you know you can you can make stuff work sometimes but yeah shit if you're doing a guitar solo like that's everyone's focusing on the solo right here. yeah no exactly like, you're, you're why, kind of the main why, why did he just stop playing yeah oh don't worry it's jazz <laughs> when i first started playing i was incredibly nervous like i used to be Especially when I was younger, I just felt like really anxious ab about being around like people, mm -hmm. especially if people were like paying attention to me just because <laughs> a lot like when I grew up, like a lot of the times that people were paying attention to me, I was like, oh, no, I'm doing something bad. <laughs> right. And so, and so I kind of just like associated it with that. And uh, yeah, I kind of just like learned how to flip a switch and kind of like put myself in the mood for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So over the years, it's like, you know, now it's like cake although i'm sure first show back post COVID, yeah. <laughs> i'm probably just gonna be like oh man you know like have that uh kind of kind of have to reteach myself that technique probably reteach some composure because i mean i'm sure you're going to be excited as shit but also nervous <laughs> like yeah gonna, like you're gonna say this is awesome i've been waiting so long for this but then another part of you is gonna say don't fuck it up you mm -hmm. know <laughs> like i'm, I'm kind of wondering don't get too confident i'm kind of wondering like going back how many how many uh times you're gonna see bands that are like so excited to be back right that they go too hard and then by like the second or third song you can just like see just like how exhausted yeah. everybody is right uh, like just because you know especially with that it's 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 been i mean over a year since we've played a show now which was crazy because you know, I think in 2019, we played like over a hundred shows Woo. Uh, Good and, Lord. uh, or something like that. I think it was in like the, in the nineties or something, just cause like inferior did a lot of stuff that year. Yeah. But like, you know, and then, then there are bands that that's a hundred percent. All they do is tour. So bands like the black Dahlia murder or between the buried and me, where they're just like, or art spire, just like added again and again and again, especially with like doing vocals you get too excited and you're like pushing and you know not supposed to that that's uh something that can catch up with you really easily yeah during a set that was one of my biggest issues too starting out when i was doing guitar and vocals my voice would be fried we did we had a lot of long songs so mm -hmm. it was sometimes anywhere from three songs to six songs in a set but i mean around three songs i'm the end of the third song i'm thinking how am i going to do the rest of the set yeah like i could already feel and i think it was part of being nervous too in a way i'm building up all this extra phlegm in my throat and that makes me even more stressed out and worried about how i'm going to keep up and then my voice starts cracking in certain spots 
but also i think that was was when i was doing more of a gritty like james hetfield type mm-hmm. of sound as far as uh grit and pitch go yeah or whatever and i think that style really destroys my voice quicker than anything else like even screaming or growling or whatever mm-hmm. it's just a whole different feel for whatever reason i feel like uh like that's not something that i do but it makes sense to me how a style like that would be kind of easy to like use too much air because mm-hmm. a lot of issues that vocalists run into stem from the fact that they're pushing too much air at one time and so it kind of like overexerts right on your vocal cords and stuff so yeah that totally seems like the kind of style that innocuously would do it because you're thinking like this isn't particularly harsh or mm-hmm. anything like that you know yeah so but it gets exhausting yeah absolutely i'm sure it does what what's what's one thing you miss about touring the most um, i said one thing the most that doesn't make any sense <laughs> what is one thing that you miss one thing the uh, most the most <laughs> i mean number one would just be like playing shows i'm an addict the high that you get from it is it's not like doing anything else it has a totally different sort of uh payoff i'd say that's number one you know number two is just hanging out with the dudes in in fury because you know none of us we we don't all live in the same place so the only time i see any of those dudes is when we get together to practice to play shows so there's a very small window for that i know you just said one but the, i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> no. give you a list the third would definitely be like traveling to to places mm-hmm. because we got to see like a lot of really cool stuff right before the lockdown November, December of 2019, uh, we did our first European tour, got to go to like 10 or 11 different countries. And I I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store because there's all these places I'd never been before. And so, you know, we'd load in as a collective and then I'd be like, all right, cool. I have like three hours to get out of the venue and like go look at stuff. Yeah. Me and some of the other inferior dudes and some of the guys from Volvodinia were kind of like the main people. Occasionally, one of the dudes from Archspire or whatever, or Beneath the Massacre, and we'd all just like go out and marvel at, you know, the architecture or like, you know, small things like little coffee shops that we would go to or places that we would go to get food or whatever. And then definitely just like hanging out with people in different spots. Like there are our friends that I have like all over the country or places in Canada or I guess Europe now too, where it's like, I know these people and I only see them once or twice a year in the flesh. Like, you know, we'll interact over Facebook or whatever, but like, Seeing people that you know and enjoy being in their presence is way more satisfying and very different from just, you know, DMing someone or commenting on some shit on the internet. Liking something. Yeah. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. (laughs) So you asked for one, but that's, that's like my list of the things that I I I didn't think there was just one thing that you missed. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably a lot more. Yeah. If you truly think about it more. Yeah. Last week, uh, we lost water for five days last week you know, just for like the ice storm and everything. And so I remember like day four just being like, I miss being on tour, but right now the not showering four or five days, this is like the one thing that I don't miss uh-huh. about being on tour. <laughs> and it's the one part that I get to relive like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough, man. We were really fortunate over here, which we're thinking is because we're close to the water facility mm-hmm. over here. And I think there's a, fire station not too far off mm-hmm. and a school that's close by so i think we're in a You're spot that good spot of the grid is protected yeah but i was fearing losing it at any moment you know there's no guarantee about anything yeah absolutely. You know, especially the water thing and you know, people were having a, the boil 
uh, order or whatever. Mm-hmm. We, we, water. Didn't, we didn't have to deal with that in Farmer's Branch. Uh, we're pretty close to water treatment facility, too. Um, the issue that we ran into, though, is that there were just... Uh, in our apartment complex, there were so many like burst pipes in different buildings that they had to like shut oh, off yeah. certain areas. And I mean, thankfully for us, the one that we had that blew was like, we have like our own laundry room that's on the first floor that's ours. And it was one of those pipes. So did not damage anything of ours, nothing yeah. like that. So I'm that's very, good. very fortunate that that was the situation. Cause like there are people that I work with that are homeowners or live in buildings that are just structured differently and had massive damages because yeah. of blown pipes and stuff like that. So um, I'm also just very fortunate that we kept power because like we have a number of reptiles. Like I would have been like cool snakes wrapped around my arms <laughs> and frogs in my pockets. So, yeah. that, you know, trying to keep them warm. Yeah, that was pretty scary. I mean, there's only so much you can do, I guess, mm-hmm. like with snakes. You really would have to put them in your shirt and yeah. <laughs> tie like, your shirt up or something so they don't get heat. out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they're they're pretty I don't I don't know about Tefiri because she's a sand boa, but like um I have two ball pythons. Or mm-hmm. we have two ball pythons. And uh they're pretty smart about just like knowing where the warmth is and if they don't have it, figuring out how to get it. Yeah. So um I don't especially if it got that cold inside, I don't think they would necessarily be trying to escape, but then right. The issue would just be like staying warm enough for like you and them yeah. and not accidentally rolling over and squishing something. <laughs> Getting bit in the belly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Have they bitten either uh, of you? So Liliana, um, she's a, a blue eye leucistic. So she's totally white and has big, bright blue eyes. Um, she has struck at Whitney before during feeding my little brother used to watch my snakes when I lived in Colorado and she bit him once. Same situation though. It was on a feeding Feed. day, but like he is really good at handling just animals period and was like, yeah, it didn't really hurt. Got her off immediately. Still got her fed and stuff. So she has bitten someone, but, um, Vraska's never struck or anything like that. She, they're, they're both pretty even kiltered. Um, the last couple of months, I haven't gotten them out as much as I would like, but I have them pretty well socialized. So, you know, they're still anxious little snakes because yeah. ball pythons, is, that's just how they are. But um, they're like, you know, never hostile towards people or anything like that. I actually am really excited because back when I was living in Colorado, I kind of, because she's so mild tempered and was like really good about stuff, I was actually able to turn a number of people that are like oh snakes are gross or like they're slimy or whatever because for some reason people that don't mess with snakes think that they're slimy and they're totally not right. <laughs> um but i was able to like use her to like turn a few people to just be like look they're just they're cool especially ones that are non-venomous there's no need to be afraid of them they're, they're fine so this one has not struck stricken struke struke but <laughs> The other, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I had a long sleeve shirt on mm-hmm. and I had had him, I still don't even know if it's a him or her, I had it on my arm and it started getting closer, its head started getting closer to my hand mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it just start. I just, I felt this weird movement on my wrist and he totally bit a chunk of my sleeve 
and was like moving around like he was, I, I don't know what he was trying to do <laughs> but I, so I said hey, what are you doing and yeah. I just kind of you know gently grabbed the sides of his head and he slowly let go and was totally fine he wasn't you know, in attack mode or anything, but that was super weird. weird. Yeah, I wonder like, maybe you, trying to eat my shirt. <laughs> yeah, <maybe laughs> I don't know what like, he thought it was. Yeah, there's like a little lump that moved, so he's like probing. Or yeah, something. I guess it was just. It, it's like he was preparing to eat it because mm. it was really slow and just it was very awkward. <laughs> I I've never been bitten by snakes, fortunately. Um, but back when when I was trying to figure out if I wanted one, I had a friend who was breeding snakes. Her and her boyfriend were. And that's actually where I got Vraska and Liliana from, hmm. were both from her. But I would go over and kind of like help them care for the snakes that they were breeding just so I could see like, you know, what kind of temperaments they have, what their uh, environments need to look like, what their feeding habits look like and stuff like that. Just because, yeah. you know, I'm very much like a kind of person where like if you, if you get an animal, you should do some research and just make sure that two months from now you're not going to be like oh i'm actually like not interested in this thing and need to like rehome it or whatever right um so i was doing that and she had a uh two burmese pythons and one of them had a what's it called mouth rot it's a fungal infection right and so i was helping her give the anti-fungal to it and so the syringe that you have to put in the mouth and so I'm like holding on to this python that doesn't know that we're trying to. And oh, also, it's six about six feet long. Okay, yeah, um, that was my next question. Point, yeah, <laughs> and like trying to like hold hold her down without hurting her, mm-hmm. but with enough force that she can't just like get away from me while yeah. um, she was trying to give her the medicine. I thought for sure that 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 I was going to get bitten that time. Then there was one other time where I had the male Burmese. And the female one was on my friend and she started like looking at the other snake and like I could just kind of see the eyes narrow and I was like, oh, she's totally going to strike and there's like, there's a pretty decent chance that she's going to miss him and hit me. (laughs) And so I was kind of just like bracing for it, like just getting ready because, you know, like snakes a solid muscle. So if yes. you get hit by something that's like six or seven feet long, that's just like yeah. getting slugged like real hard. Thankfully, fist with teeth? Yes, fist with teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't happen, but yeah, I was, I was pretty nervous. They're, they can be intimidating. I can imagine six feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I always try to ask my guests about a few uh, specific things that like I mentioned earlier, that mm-hmm. kind of piqued my curiosity. And I'd say the top two are depression and meditation. If you've had any issues with depression or if you have any advice for anyone else going through anything like that. And also if you've had any experience with, with meditation or interest or anything. Um, so I'll start with the meditation one. And then I'll, I'll, I'll move into the depression one. Uh, meditation is something I've never... I've never really done it, but it's something that I've kind of like, it's been like eating away at me recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just as being like a thing of like, hey, you can probably improve yourself if you set aside this time to focus on just, you know, like letting go Mm -hmm. and stuff. So it's something that I've had a, a growing kind of like interest in. I just need to just like take the next step and turn that 
you know, potential energy into into actually doing something about it. And then with uh, as far as like depression goes, I'd say that like I feel like I'm a little more on the like the anxious side of things where if I have an idea or something in my head and I don't make the time to do it, it just makes me feel really terrible. So like if I set aside time to do something and things happen in my day and you know it's now 1 a.m or whatever and i haven't started like whatever the task is that i am like this is the one thing that i need to do today or whatever uh that's definitely something that eats away at me and can kind of like sometimes be debilitating like if i'm super set on trying to do something and um you know like i plan my day around it or whatever and Mm -hmm. for whatever reason it it either doesn't happen uh, or I am continuously disturbed and pushed away from whatever it is that I'm working on. But I feel like most people at least have bouts of not necessarily feeling sad, but just kind of, um, I don't know, I guess to me it, it kind of comes in waves of just like feeling nothing at all mm-hmm. or you know, like you'll be achieving things or have stuff happen that you know should make you happy. And there's like literally just no feeling there at all. Like right. it's just kind of like impartial. Um, kind of like the worst episode like that that I can really remember uh, was. So this is a couple of years ago, but um, it was when I was recording the end of an era rebirth, which was the first thing that I did for Infury kind of had like a lot of weird stuff going on in my personal life and i remember just like not really being excited about recording the album oh it was kind of just like you know it's it it had absolutely nothing to do with the music or anything like that it was just i was just at this point where i was just super exhausted like all of the time went through like beginning to end of the day like without my mindset changing without really like feeling much of anything just kind of like being numb But I remember that the one thing that I focused on when I had to do this is like, yes, this feels like more work. Yes, I'm super tired. Yes, I don't feel like doing this right now. But if I don't will myself to do it, there are going to be consequences that Mm -hmm. feel way worse later than what I'm going through right now. So just kind of like pushing myself to do those sorts of things. Um, And I find a lot of times whenever I do feel like I fall back into a rut or something similar like that to where like this like endless sort of numb feeling like I'm a pretty goal oriented person so usually what I try to do is just make a list start doing stuff even if it's stuff that you don't necessarily want to do it doesn't have to be anything crazy sometimes it's easy as just like get out of bed brush teeth make bed, Mm, clean the front room, take care of the animals, just like stuff that you're going to do anyways, Yes, you know, or stuff that you would do on a daily basis anyways. And then because I'm like, I know that that's a thing that's motivating to me. It's just like being kind of goal oriented or having things that I need to accomplish. And so part of the way through the day, like I'll kind of just start to feel a, a tiny little bit better. And then the next day I'll do the same thing and I'll get a little bit better than that. That's, something that kind of helps me. I know it's not, there's no universal cure all for anything, but just kind of keeping in mind that one, nothing is permanent. There is nothing that is permanent. And then just taking the time to make the situation better for yourself, because 
if you can't at least put in a tiny bit of effort and, and try to at least get that little bit of something that's going to help you get out of the rut, then like, you know, trying those things can't make your situation worse. Right. So it's similar to uh, working out, going to the gym or something. If mm-hmm. you're trying to convince yourself of reasons why you don't need to go to the gym or, you know, I'll do it harder tomorrow or whatever, almost never will you go to the gym and get a good workout in and regret it after the fact. It's always, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely feel better afterwards. And a lot of times it's like, you know, it sucks. And I thought I was going to throw up, but I did it. Right. And that kind of soreness also is like, a gratifying kind of soreness. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause you remind like, you that you did something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I definitely am with you on the making a list of anything, mm-hmm. anything and everything. I'll do the same thing. Uh, laundry. I will, I will actually put washed clothes, dry clothes, full clothes, put clothes away. Holy and it feels cow. not every time you actually make it to, to stage three. And four. <laughs> I'm, I'm much more of a, of a wash it, dry it, Put it in the basket, bring it upstairs, make sure you know that this is the basket of clean clothes and you'll just grab your stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely in that mode a lot of times too. Word. But just the, the the feeling you get of scratching something off your list, mm-hmm. no matter how big or small it is, if I have a list of 20 things and you know maybe, I don't know, 10 of them are really small, seeing that list half gone already is just awesome. Yeah. And yeah, that's why I have that giant whiteboard in the kitchen. Dude, I use that for a lot of my lists. I, I feel like such a nerd because the first time I went into that room, the first thing I think that I said to your wife was like, that's a really impressive whiteboard. <laughs> 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 I, I have a decent sized one in my office too, but like I kind of just like marveled at that and was like, look at all that extra space for some, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sick. <laughs> yeah. Whenever things were a lot busier for both of us, that would have lots of scheduling stuff and whatever. But I also don't like to erase things on there. You know, if I have a list of 10 things and I'm done with eight of them, mm-hmm. I'll just scratch through it and leave it on there. It's just, a, it's like a mental reminder of, I did all of this. Yeah. So I feel productive and it's just it's motivating Yeah. at the same time. A lot of times I feel like a lot of the days that I actually like sit down and put the list on something that I can look at as opposed to just like knowing and like keeping Mm. track of it in my head. I feel like I'll end up ultimately accomplishing more on those days because I get that boost from, like you said, just kind of seeing that, you know, like you did all of those things. And I mean, worst case scenario, if if you don't finish everything, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. have to finish everything. You kind of just have a reminder of like, you know what, like I did some stuff today and, you know, might not make you feel 100% back to normal, but like worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario, you're probably not going to feel worse mm-hmm. after having done a couple things than versus not. Yeah. So, yeah, instead of just staring at the list and getting overwhelmed and playing on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, if, if you are one of those people that gets overwhelmed, if there's too much, just you know, write two or three things at a time and start, start small and just break that one task into four littler tasks mm-hmm. or smaller tasks and then start scratching those off as you go along. Yeah. Probably work out a little better. Definitely. So meditation, I I would recommend that to anyone, especially if you are remotely interested and, and open to it. Um, even if it's just 
not doing a formal meditation, but just sitting somewhere quiet and focusing on nothing and just not worrying about anything. If you do that for just 30 seconds, you're doing good. Sometimes it's hard to do that because things are already entering your head and you, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to think about absolutely nothing. And five seconds later, you're thinking about what you're doing tomorrow. Yeah. It's just inevitable that the things just keep flowing in your head. But if you're able to just, you don't even have to ignore it. Just notice that the thought itself came into your head, you know, oh, we're doing this tomorrow. Cool. Okay. And then that's it. Don't, don't grab onto it and think about it even further. Just. Let it go. See it for what it is. Yeah. And let it go and see what else comes up. But try to focus on the absence of all of that stuff and just leave everything completely open. And if you can do that in a in a peaceful way, I mean, it, it is a, another indescribable feeling of just, oh, yeah, you know, I can breathe. breathe. Feeling like weightless yeah, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've kind of been like meditation is something that I've I've never really actively done it. Uh, but it's something like I said that is in my head that I'm like hey make time to do this and I've it's been that way where like I need to take my own advice I need to just finally make the time do the thing I feel like that's something that could be potentially like really helpful for like myself and other people maybe that are like me that like I feel like my brain is super busy and I don't mean that in the way of like, I am so smart. I like blah, 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 crazy computational powers or anything like theories in your head. I just, I just like, I feel like I have a bunch of voices talking over each other at one time. And it's kind of like, whatever is the loudest thing going on in here is like the prevailing thing that has my attention. Yeah. But I also feel like, you know, at this point, don't quote me on this because it's not like a for sure statistic, but I feel like. At this point, people are bombarded with so much information at every point, every intersection of every single day, whether it's social media or stuff on TV or how big cities are and being around other people and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, that you just take in so much stimulus. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that so many people are like so anxious is just that they're overstimulated between the amount of caffeine that they put in their body like uh, a given day and the amount of information that they're just having hurled at them right. at every intersection. That's something that could benefit a lot of people just like taking the time to like let go of all of that stuff. Even if it's just for a couple moments, let yourself actually breathe mm-hmm. instead of just constantly trying to like take on more and see more and do more or, like doom scrolling or, you know, whatever. Right, because if you get locked into Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, yeah, it ends up being an incredible waste of time. But like you said, there's so much external input that you're getting from not just something that you saw that you know an image that someone shared, but then you see the comments underneath, and you get locked into these conversations, and there's just you get all these opinions, and then people people express their opinions as though they're fact, and sometimes subconsciously you might think oh well i that must be right and Mm -hmm. then now that's embedded in your head somewhere but if you can't sit down by yourself and focus on nothing because all the stuff in your head constantly coming through just imagine topping that with all the external stuff and just letting even more stuff flow into your head it's like you're just filling filling this balloon with so much hot air and and garbage yeah I, I can see it being extremely hard to sit down and concentrate and not worry about anything. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because it's just all this extra added stuff, you know, besides the dogs barking in the next room or what you're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. Or what else is coming later that day even. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's, it's like a thought contagion kind of thing because also, I mean, once you look away from your screen, it's not like that stuff just a hundred percent goes away. A really common thing is watch thing, scroll through, see thing, react to it mentally. And then you either take the time to react digitally or a lot of people will be like, you know, there's another person in the room. Oh my God, look at this thing. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's something that makes them angry and then that spawns a whole separate conversation. So like you don't really leave the thing that you encountered on the screen. You just take it with you somewhere else. Right. And, like, right. Kind of like transmit that in, in a different medium. But Domino you, effect. Yeah. Just because you put your phone down doesn't necessarily mean that like you've even freed yourself from the thing that you allowed to take up, you know, X amount of time already. Yeah. And if you do more meditating or just focus on being more mindful in general, I think you'll be in a better place to leave something that you found versus carrying it with you. And, you know, you might start a conversation about something, but for example, I've not really spent much time on Facebook Mm -hmm. in the past month or two, two, three months. I don't even know, but I'm getting to the point where I feel the addiction coming through on my phone. Man, my stomach is making all these freaking noises. I feel <laughs> an addiction to something on my phone. I have to be looking at something, playing something. If I'm not looking at Facebook or Instagram, I still have that urge to do something on my phone, which sucks. But I'm glad I'm not spending it on Facebook because I'll end up getting upset about something or think differently about somebody because I watched them call someone else an asshole and they're the ones being an asshole and yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. all that kind of crap. It's God, it's just so much to keep up with. And I've noticed a big difference in my mood and overall just well being by not being consumed as much on Facebook and being able to, if I do see something when I'm on there that triggers me, I will exit out and put my phone down and I will not think about it. Yeah. I've just, you know, maybe I'll think about it later, but I'm not going to right now. That to me is like the switch that I need that says, stop, stop this right now. And, you know, sometimes it's hard, really, really hard. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it, it becomes addictive. And I think that there are a couple different levels of it. And at least for me, like one thing that I noticed that helped. And I mean, some days I do better at it than others or some weeks I do better at it than others. I filtered out the blue light on my screen Mm, so that I'm not constantly getting that stimulation. But there was one day where I was just like, I'm going to like count how many times I look at my phone where I like don't even have notifications. Uh, Like on Facebook, I have the notifications muted. So they they don't come across on my phone. I don't see them accumulating or anything like that on the icon. And so there was a day I was at work too. (laughs) I should probably be working and not like wasting X amount of time, blah, 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 checking stuff. But I just counted how many times I just was like, hey, I'm just going to look at this real quick. Uh, And was just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Those were just the times that I didn't actually get a notification or like someone didn't text me or whatever. Like it was just completely like just my own thought to look at this thing. I think that that's one thing. And then I think like another part of it is that I feel like a a lot of people have this natural inclination to have like a pattern recognition response. And I feel like for most people, the way that cuts across on social media is I'm going to compare your thing with my thing. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, people are constantly trying to just usually put out like their best, their best version of themselves forward or their moments of success forward. And so constantly seeing other people do those in periods where like you're not feeling Mm -hmm. like you are your best self or whatever can be pretty detrimental to people. Like some people are really good about filtering it out and not caring. But I think that a lot of people, especially people that are a little younger or like more impressionable at any age or whatever, kind of have a harder time walking away from stuff like that without feeling negatively about themselves or without Mm -hmm. putting some sort of damper on whatever it is that they're doing or, you know, their emotional well-being. Right. I was thinking of something as you were saying that, and I got completely lost in my head. Because <laughs> I was trying to focus on what you were saying, but also not lose my thought, and I lost both. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm also prone to, like, rambling. Like, I, I kind of... Oh, that's good. We don't want dead space. <laughs> well, uh, let's move on to... So this thing that I do in my episodes... I've called before one second answer to a one second question. Oh, okay. But I think I want to change the name, which I still don't even like it, but because <laughs> it's more like a would you rather because mm-hmm. I say two different things. So I'm just calling it a rapid fire. Would you rather? Okay. I don't know if that works or not. We'll rapid see how. Fire, would you rather? We'll see if that sticks. Say that five times fast. I'm not going to. <laughs> rapid fire, would you rather? <laughs> All right, let's go. Dog or cat? Cat. Inside or outside? Ah, that totally depends on where, but I'm kind of a homebody, so I guess inside. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) From what you said earlier, I knew that was coming. Vanilla ice cream, but everything else, anything else, Uh chocolate. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Sweet and sour or sweet and spicy? Sweet and spicy. Spontaneous or scheduled? Scheduled. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're a, a lot alike in ways. A night in or a night out? Night in. Past or future? Future. Neither or neither? Neither. (laughs) (laughs) Playing sports or watching sports? Uh, Playing sports. Read or audiobook? Reading. Plow through or go around? Plow through. Definitely a plow kind of guy. Okay. A crap or a nap? Uh, crap. I, <laughs> right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't really nap unless it's mm, okay. on tour. Yeah. We have six hours in the van. Like, then I'll nap. But like any other right. time, I feel like I just wake up and I feel disoriented and gross. <laughs> Heads or tails? Heads. <gasps> tails. Ah. <laughs> it's the first one that's not the same in a while, but I'm still going to give you an Andy's mint. Oh, <laughs> uh, sick. <laughs> Chocolate. This is motivation. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thanks. What food or drink came to mind when I mentioned sweet and sour or sweet and spicy? Um, it's kind of funny because I thought sweet and sour chicken, which is usually my go-to at uh, like Chinese restaurants or whatever if they yeah. have them. And then the other one was something Szechuan, which I feel like I picked sweet and spicy because I like sweet and sour chicken, but for anything else, the combination of something sweet and something spicy together is like just is better to me what about pineapple on pizza i'm about it yeah i'm i'm a pineapple and jalapeno dude pineapple and jalapeno is amazing usually if i um am gonna do pineapple i'll get ham and sausage or ham or sausage one or the other pineapple uh 
black olives are like another really oh. good one because it just adds. You can have all the olives. I don't want yeah. any of those. Dude, I'm, I'm going to take them. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I've never grown into is a taste for olives of any kind, really. I remember when I was a kid, I used to hate them. But I think that the reason why is because the first time I ever ate an olive, I thought it was going to be a grape. <laughs> like one of, one of my cousins was eating them out of a jar and I just saw them little and green and I was like, oh, they're grapes. And yeah. so I grabbed one and I put it in my mouth just expecting that and just got super salty. And so I just like did not eat them for years. <laughs> Man, what, what helped ruin me even more was when I went to a Greek restaurant mm-hmm. and they had some olives and... Oh, were they the stuffed ones? The, the ones that have seeds in them. Mm-hmm. I did not know there was a seed in it. So I thought, all right, I'm going to try one of these olives. I haven't had one of these before. Oh, <laughs> so, so and I'm good. fighting, I'm fighting myself thinking, all right, I'm just going to throw it in my mouth and just eat it up. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly what I did. I throw it in my mouth and I bit down and crunch. God, it hurts so bad. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't chip any teeth or anything. Yeah. But that furthered my distaste mm-hmm. for olives. I, okay. These olives. Dude, it's funny how like a little, <laughs> like one little thing like that, especially if it's if it happens to a first or like giving something a chance, like can totally ruin it, like going <laughs> forward just forever. It's pretty sad. Yeah. Um. Okay. So yesterday I was watching the how do you, is it Aeons Aeons Torn? Yeah. The recent guitar playthrough you guys released yeah. for Inferi, and I noticed on YouTube there was one dislike. <laughs> Like 700, 700 something likes and one dislike. How do you feel about that? I mean, I don't don't really care uh, because it's like most people don't like metal in general. And like the technical death metal side of thing, that's like an even smaller pool, Uh you know? So I kind of just expect that everything... That, especially like as a vocalist like i can't tell you how many times people are like oh you're in a band yeah oh cool i'll check out a thing not knowing what i do or anything they're like yeah you know the music was really cool but like i just can't get into the the vocals and the screaming thing it's like what's even the point of that what do you do in the band and uh. I'm like oh i'm the vocalist and they're like oh well you know it was it was pretty good actually and i'm like dude it's okay you don't like you know yeah. but I try to like not really care about stuff like that. One thing that I enjoy a lot too about a lot of the people that are into our videos is that they're like really into it. And so a lot of times when they see stuff like that, there will be comments where like people will say things poking fun at like the whatever X is equal to the amount of dislikes the video has, you yeah. know? I saw one on one of our videos one time that was on one of the Rift Dissection videos. Uh, <laughs> the comment was like, Oh, the person that disliked this video must have heard himself trying to play this riff or something like that. <laughs> right. It's cool you have people sticking up for you in a way like that. Yeah, especially since it's it's like a comical thing and it's like not yeah. like an uh, like a an actual jab. You know? Yeah. So, how do you feel about the dislike button on YouTube? Um, I mean, I've never really been the kind of person. I don't think I've ever like thumbs down to video, and I've certainly seen like, I mean, at this point probably hundreds of videos that I'm like, yeah, I would never watch that ever again or anything yeah. like that ever again. Yeah. But right. for me, I it's, hate it's, the sound, but yeah, not enough to click that button, right? There. Yeah. Yeah. Or this person is obviously spewing a bunch of false information. See, that's a, that's a different story. But, I, I, I think if some, if they're spreading false information, if it's falsifiable, yeah, 
I think, okay, well, that's justifiable. But I still haven't, I still yeah, haven't clicked that yeah, button. I personally, like, I think that it's, it is good for you to be critical of things, and it's good for you to know what you like and know what you dislike, but what's the point of, right. of shitting all over someone something? I mean, if it's not your cup of tea, cool, whatever, you yeah. know? But Go to like, the next video, right? Yeah, or, yeah, or exactly. close YouTube. Yeah. You get mad at the person that recommended you watch this video. Yeah, or... You know, the instead of uh, investing the energy and writing a bunch of negative comments or critiquing someone something of this would have been cooler if you would have blah, you could take that energy and make that thing that you would have want to have seen or whatever. Or you could at so, least word it better. Yeah. You know, if if you really think something could have been better if you had some clean vocals in the end or something like I would have liked it if you had clean vocals in it. Yeah. Instead of saying it that way, you say yeah. Have you guys thought about incorporating clean vocals or something? Yeah, just like that's an open question. That's open for conversation. Yeah, that you know? starts a that starts a dialogue. And yeah. then if it's like you know, no, I that's not a thing that I'm interested <laughs> <No>. in. Uh, <laughs> then they're like, oh, okay, cool. So that was never an option to begin with, or this was a thing that they thought about but didn't want to do, or mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Like it it starts a dialogue as opposed to just being like, I guess mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> or whatever. Just being so mean-spirited for yeah. what seems like no freaking reason. Yeah, like, I I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I definitely, like, read comments on things or, you know, reviews for releases and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I don't take anything too personally because, one, I'm not part of something that is, like, the meta, super popular selling out stadiums <laughs> or anything like that. So I kind of don't really expect... A lot of people to like it anyways i kind of just enjoy the fact that there happen to be some people that do right it's nice to have that yeah definitely <laughs> definitely people that don't understand how the vocals work uh, i can relate just because like i said earlier i that wasn't a fan you know mm -hmm. i i heard scar symmetry way long ago way before i probably should have heard it because i didn't like it i i thought the guitar solos were too crazy Probably not even real, because what fucking person could play that? <laughs> and the vocals were too low, dumb. You know, I like I like the singing. That sounds awesome. But yeah. why is he, you know, doing all that other stuff mm -hmm. over it? You know, and then I hear it again a few years later after I'm way more accepting to that style of music, and it's like my favorite band. It's so weird how you know just hearing it in a different frame of mind, I have a completely different outlook on it. I guess. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's kind of it's funny how that works because. I had a very similar, the first time I at least remember hearing vocals like that. So I had kind of like a weird trajectory for metal. Like I didn't, I, I kind of just like got into new metal kind of stuff. Like I was listening to like Slipknot and Korn and Disturbed and System of a Down. And then kind of like overnight was like, origin and cephalic carnage like there, there wasn't like a progression <laughs> right for me but i do remember the first time that i heard uh just straight up like death growl kind of stuff was roadrunner united had came out mm -hmm. and like the first song was howard jones was the vocalist of and the second was the dude from chimera and then the third one had glenn benton and it was like his song with joey jordanson and i was like man like the music in this is cool but like I don't know. I just can't get into to that. Like, I just like, I wasn't about it. And, uh, you know, went back to kind of like some of these songs are really cool, but kind of went back to my own little corner musically. And then 
like literally like three weeks later, a friend of mine burnt me a CD that was Origins, Echoes of Decimation and Cephalic Carnage's Anomalies. And I remember listening to it and was just like, how, how do they play? Like, <laughs> what? I remember just like my mind was literally blown and I just listened to both of them over and over and over again, even just trying to figure out how the hell people could play music like that. Right. And that immediately, like, that day was the right day for me to hear it, because it 100% changed my perspective. Went back and was like, man, Annihilation by the Hands of God is, like, one of the best songs on Roadrunner United. Like, why did I not enjoy this before? Right. But I feel like over time, you kind of learn what your palate is. And, I mean, there have even been records from bands that I've heard where... I'll listen to a couple tracks and I'm like, today's not the right day for this. And I'll like shelve it and come yeah. back to it a week later or a month later or something when I'm like in the mood for that sort of thing. And it's sure. it's helped me differentiate the things that I'm like if, of just realizing like this is not a part of my palette right now, you know, versus something that I know that I just don't like because it is just not a thing to me at all. Right. Yeah, I used to listen to Maroon 5 a lot. Oh, word? Yeah. You, you got moves like Jagger or what? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only song but, there's I could think of. <laughs> but all, after a while, they started just losing a lot of instrumental aspects that I really liked. Mm -hmm. Like the melodies are there, but it seems like, what's his face? Uh, what the hell's his name? Adam mm -hmm. Levine. It seemed like there was so many like, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, like uh, these weird little catchy ooh, oohs and ah, ahs and uh, ohs or whatever. It yeah. just... It seemed like there was so much more of that and less instrumentation and I don't know, it wasn't the same group anymore and didn't have the same sound, mm. but I liked the, you know, poppier stuff that they had, but they ended up going way too poppy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was all over the place and I would listen to Maroon 5 sometimes and I had like my moments where I listened to that and some other similar stuff and I wasn't listening to metal hardly at all after enjoying it a lot mm. and... I would just go back and forth, which I guess I'm I'm not really listening to anything now other than podcasts or something that is new that has come out. Yeah. Like uh Abiotic. That, yeah, that dude, new one they just they're... released. So sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut no, you off real go quick. For it. Go for it. But I'm just gonna gush over this band a little <laughs> a little bit. Um so like the very first time I ever went on tour uh was with Vale of Noth and Abiotic was one of the bands that we toured with and this was right around the time that they released universal plague their mm -hmm. ep but it was before their first record came out and i remember seeing the vermo sapien video and just being like i'm not really super into like deathcore but like these guys have some really sick riffs and they're this is gonna be sick and then i got to watch them do it and was super stoked on it and you know that was back in 2012 then they put out their first record. Um, then they evolved more and they put out Casistry. And then they broke up for a while. And Ikigai is leaps and bounds better than anything else that they've ever done. And like I've enjoyed the other stuff that they've done. Right. You right. Know? So it's just like it's just made me appreciate them even more. But um like Travis's vocals just like on it are, <laughs> he does such a great job yeah no like the phrasing the the lyrics the fact that he has emotion in his voice and yes. it's not just like robot tunnel throw grr, like which like don't get me wrong that shit is still sick but like it's refreshing is yes. what it is because i feel like so many people 
are kind of just in the mode of like as low as I can go and as high as I can go and they forget a lot of the textured kind of in-between stuff that you can do Mm -hmm. um, or a lot of like the other emotive stuff which don't get me wrong like not everything has a place in everything or is gonna sound good with everything and I appreciate and enjoy like a lot of different vocal styles but that kind of just like hit out of left field compared to a lot of other stuff that I've been trying to follow along with that have been recent releases and it just once again was just like oh my god there's just like an extra layer of stuff for me to enjoy because of that yeah that was really good yeah i i I bought it and i didn't listen to it for probably the first week Mm -hmm. because i wanted to listen to it you know every chance that i got it was i could listen to maybe a song and a half or something so i didn't really want to do that i wanted to listen to the entire thing so i did Mm mm-hmm I was able to, I was driving into work or something, which on the way to work early in the morning, I usually don't like to listen to music anymore. I'll listen to something a little bit more soothing, mm-hmm. podcast or, you know, some like. So something to something. like wind you into the yeah, day. Kind yeah. Of. Okay. But I was a little more alert <laughs> that yeah. morning. So I decided, oh, I'll just, I'll go ahead and do it. I'm going to have a long drive ahead. Go ahead and jam it. And that was, I didn't know what to expect because I heard the one, I guess one single that they released or one of the first ones. I'm not even sure how many. Um, I wanted, unless it was just like because he did a playthrough video for one, I think. Yeah, John. he did a playthrough video for Smoldered, I believe. Which Smoldered, oh, I don't remember if it was the first or second single that they put out, but it was one of them. But then he also did the playthrough. I think the playthrough is the one that I was the the only one that I heard initially. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but yeah, listening to all of it all the way through, I was thoroughly impressed. That that was a really good album oh absolutely there's so many peaks and valleys it it just like it keeps it really interesting yeah you know in my opinion i think it's the most like cohesive record that they've done like all the transitions seem super like very natural really fluid you know sounds very mature yeah yeah (laughs) not to to knock anything before that but you you know what i mean yeah but i mean like you know if if uh if this album were were a person it you know it would probably be a cougar it's just like (laughs) <laughs> it's just gonna find you and drag you into its nest. <laughs> it's just mature, dude. Yeah, right. Yeah. Very mature and attractive. <laughs> Are you still doing any guest vocals or like uh, um, so, advertising to make any extra money on the side or anything like that? Uh, I mean, it's something that I, as of now, I've kind of just. I've never really like advertised it. I've kind of just said yes to certain bands that I really like. Like I guess uh you know, I've I've done one for Cephalic Carnage, uh I did one for Warforged, um I did one for uh APOC, which is a really cool band from Canada. The one that has been released is uh one that I did for uh Juan Dile, uh who's one of the guitar players in Volvidinia, Cryoplagia is his uh side project. He did everything for it. Uh, he's just got a couple different guest spots on his EP that he put out. It's super sick. If you're into just like really gnarly slam <laughs> and then like really sick, insane riffs and solos, it's definitely worth checking awesome. out for sure. Um, he's an absolute monster guitar player and vocalist. Uh, and then I have one that is on my plate that I'm still kind of like writing a little bit more that I'm going to put out, but you know, it's something that I'm open to for sure. I just wanted to help push if that's helping you, you know, yeah, since oh, you're not, no, definitely not, not touring or doing anything else right now. 
music wise to make money you know if that would be something you want some help with and yeah no i mean if throw that out there if if uh if you think that i'd be good on a track people just you know hit me up is there any anything else new that you've been listening to man recently? not really because like i said i've just listened to mostly podcasts and stuff yeah. i haven't been on facebook very much like i said mm-hmm. so i'm probably missing a lot of releases and other things that i would normally get my music news from mm-hmm. from friends and stuff so I probably have some catching up to do for, for sure. sure. I feel you. But that is the latest, I guess, metal album that mm-hmm. I've that I've gotten and listened to. Mm-hmm. I uh, Let's see if there's anything else that I, I'm just not thinking of. I'm like a slow listener. I'm definitely the kind of person that when I start listening to something, I, at least in terms of like uh, an album that I haven't listened to before, something that's new to me, I feel like I have to listen to it multiple times just to like yes. really really get it and then if i like it i listen to it a lot a more lot. just because i'm like oh that part's coming up <laughs> yeah. and stuff so it's i'm i'm just slow to digest new music so but recently like been listening to the new abiotic a bunch demon king released their first ep same day uh is abiotic so i've been spinning that a lot demon king is uh the original dude from infold darkness matt brown does guitars and vocals and his vocals are so nasty sounding i love them it's like uh like technical black metal okay kind of stuff and then the old and fury drummer uh jack blackburn plays drums and then our guitar player malcolm plays bass in oh that's right that's right king and so post about that a while but yeah if if you haven't checked out their ep i'd highly recommend it it's uh it's only four songs um i think it clocks out at like it's like under 20 minutes but it's a trip for sure um and then uh my homies in Summoning the Lich just put out a new album. Uh, I listened to it. I think it came out heard yesterday. That. One song off of that today. Some, yeah. Who the hell sent me that? Some, uh, Andrew did it. Oh, okay. Word. Didn't he? Correction. It was not Andrew. It was my other friend, Nick Smith. Thank you, Nick Smith. Sorry about that. Back to the show. Dude, Patty Cakes knows all, <laughs> he knows. All he sends me a ton shit. of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like when, when we went out to get dessert that one night yeah, and, yeah. uh, he put on freaking cytotoxin. I was just like, <laughs> Oh dude, this record rips so hard. <laughs> and that was one that like, I saw it. I slept on that band, dude. Yeah. I, I fucked up. Cause like I saw the album cover at least three or four weeks before I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to a song. And then I was like, what the fuck like this is this is what i was missing out on and then so i had to like listen to it a million times to make up for you know the weeks right. of, of my life that i lived without that <laughs> without <record>. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been a while since i've actually gotten that stuck to an album yeah. but i same way yeah if i like it i'm just gonna jam it for a long time i think i did with the last black dahlia album oh dude, pretty Ver- sure i got Verminous stuck on sick. that one for a while yeah same with the one before that yeah i don't know what it is about music I just have these modes where I'm either listening to a lot of music mm-hmm. or I'm not listening to very much at all. And I seem to produce more when I don't listen to much music. Uh, that makes sense. I feel like there's, by like like dialing back what you're listening to in those periods of time, do you feel like that kind of helps channel what you're actually getting the notes out of your head and onto the fretboard and stuff like that? Kind w- of. Without that- trying to like pull too much influence yes from anything i think outside that's got to be it too where i'm not hearing something and thinking man i want to write something like that <laughs> and then just emulating too much of that yeah it's all collected in my head and kind of absorbed and processed after a while and maybe that's what helps inspire something down the road yeah 
I've, I've definitely noticed that when I'm not writing or recording stuff for bands, I listen to way more music, uh, or at least I critically listen to mm-hmm. way more stuff. But in periods of high density, I find that I often just default to things that I have listened to like a million times already, just because I can put it on and I'm not trying to decipher things or I'm not right. trying to like, you know, it's just like a thing that's on that I'm also kind of enjoying while I'm reading or playing a video game right. or you know, just sitting there, whatever. Yeah. But kind of like, you know, here comes again, Stevie ADD. Uh, but veering away from that, like, do you ever just do nothing and listen to records? Like listen to music without any anything else going on? Like hard. Not while you're driving, not while you're looking at Facebook or making dinner or, you know, anything like that? It's been a very long time since I've done that. Other than just like binaural beats or something yeah. drony type stuff. Yeah. Just to relax, but as far as jamming an album, um, I want to say that I actually did that recently with something where I, I really wanted to carve out the time and, and listen without any distractions, mm-hmm. and I don't think it worked very well. Yeah. I think I lasted like a song and a half or something. <laughs> like I said, you're constantly being bombarded with information nowadays. Like That's, that's something that like I think about, and it's difficult I mean, it's yeah. difficult for me to do and not because i don't enjoy the music but like i feel like there's just so many things that pull you away and because of the fact that you can listen and move and yeah. stuff like that it it you know i could feel like i'm not being productive and that's what would get me yeah like, i could be doing something else which a lot of times i'll i'll try to draw or something because i don't draw as much as i used to i used mm-hmm. to draw all the time yeah and now i just draw the entire time and get frustrated because everything sucks and i feel like i just wasted <laughs> all, that, all this time for sure but you know that's uh, that's that's better than scrolling yeah through facebook or something oh, yeah no exactly you're, you're you're flexing a different muscle yeah you know right now a lot of times while listening to music i'm kind of just like building new decks play a lot of Magic the Gathering, or I'll be playing on Arena or something like that. So I'm just like still sitting at my workstation with my monitors on and stuff like that, just like listening to stuff. But I don't know. There's this there's this idea in my head that seems just like very romantic of like just being in a time where there's less information being thrown <laughs> at you yeah. and feeling like you can literally just put on a record and just like lay on the floor and just listen to yes. the album un- unencumbered by anything else that life is trying to distract you with. And yeah. I know that I do have the ability to do that, but I feel like it's been way too long since I've like allowed myself that kind of yeah. time to enjoy something just like wholly for what it is. In a live setting, it, it's easier because it's that's the thing. You're there for that. But I feel like if you're just like chilling at home, it seems it's hard, like needlessly complicated, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Got to be doing something yeah, else. Just it's just like just do do less, but right. Yeah. Are you that kind of guy where like even after going to work and stuff like that for the day, like you get home if you like you don't have your time to like practice guitar or to do vocals or to sit down for thirty minutes or whatever and work on a new song? Does that like does that like eat away at you? If I was excited about doing it yeah. earlier in the day, definitely. Interesting. Okay. I think you mentioned something similar to that earlier. Yeah. Uh, just, I would think of something, an idea during work, and I just hype myself up. Man, when I get home, I, I want to lay down just this riff or this idea. Mm-hmm. And when I get home, either I'm just magically not motivated whatsoever, yeah. too tired, 
or there's a distraction of some sort, something's fucked up with the house that I got to fix, mm -hmm. or, oh, I forgot to do this, I've, someone's been waiting for this, or something's always coming up, something's always happening. So, uh, yeah, if I get pulled away from that, from something external, I'll definitely get upset and discouraged, but I'll do it to myself just the same, yeah, just I mean by putting something else before it when i really don't need to yeah and then getting upset about it well dude sometimes <laughs> you're just like tired like that's yes yeah for me like that is that's like the thing that kind of sucks the most because like i usually work like later shifts and it kind of makes me stay up like way later mm -hmm. than i want to most nights i just like can't turn my brain off um and also, like, I don't like waking up and just, like, doing vocals right mm, away yeah, first thing right. in the day or whatever. And so the thing that sucks about my work schedule, it's, like, just at the point of the day to where I'm, like, winding up and I'm, like, that's my regular workflow is that, uh, like, cool. Like, now I hit my period of being super productive, but I have to go to work now. <laughs> yeah. And then by the time I get back, like, you know, that eight and a half, nine hours, whatever, later, I'm just, like... Uh, oh, okay, I gotta will myself to do this thing. Yeah. And I know that if I, I'm not gonna enjoy it now because I'm like tired and unmotivated, but if I don't do it, I'm just gonna like lay in bed for like an hour or two and just be like, you lazy motherfucker. <laughs> like, right. really? Yeah. We couldn't do this thing. We've been thinking about it all day. Like, oh, yeah. dude, it's the worst. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's a matter of just not having enough time where I have maybe an hour, an hour and a half or something. And I know that to do what I want to do, I I properly need three hours, or I want to have enough wiggle room to you know yeah. focus on well, making drums for something, and then it's also not like you can immediately just sit down and like I'm in the most optimal. Like sometimes yeah. you gotta like work at getting into the flow, yeah, so that you're actually producing what you want, as opposed to like warming up or testing out the new idea or whatever. You know, like yeah. it's it's not like even if you do have that like 30 minutes or an hour to do it, it's not, you're not necessarily going to have like the most um, productive or like the most prolific mm -hmm. experience in that time. Yeah. I think it's really frustrating. Dude, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Especially, I, I don't know. I <laughs> There's a, a topic that I could go on and on about. I kind of just, um, I've been trying to like come up with like a preload to the mindset so that when I like sit down, I can kind of just immediately put myself in that zone. And for whatever reason, it's much easier with performance than it is with like, cool, this is how I write stuff. Cause I mean, personally for me, like I, I usually like I write patterns before I write lyrics to anything just so I can make sure that I kind of like the pacing. Sure. I find that a lot of times if I try to just like sit down and write the lyrics before stuff I become attached to phrases and then I try to fit them in even though it's like not necessarily the right mm. way to build into a something or to cap off something else same and so uh I'll sit there and I just like I mean I feel like I'm definitely one of those people where at least for a lot of it I'm kind of just being reactive you know because vocals especially in like extreme metal is just like it's another layer of like a percussive kind of something so you're just trying to push and like further something that's already there yeah i don't know Some, sometimes it takes way longer than others you know like i'll sit there and listen to a song like eight or nine times and i'll be like cool i'm like 40 seconds in with like solid material and everything else is kind of up in the air yeah so i think that maybe it's because 
the performance thing is sort of a reimagining of something that you already have finished, and the other one is like just totally starting from scratch. Right. You right. Know? That is some frustrating stuff, not being able to get that out. And that's another thing that I've had it happen where I have an idea, I am motivated when I get home. I get everything opened up, I lay it down, mm-hmm. listen back to it. Sucks. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just like ruins the whole rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. Well, that idea didn't work at all. Dude, that and, happens. And after I played it over and over in my head and just built it up, like this gotta work. It's gonna sound great. And nope. Yeah. Or I just can't do it. <laughs> it's yeah. just something that I'm incapable of doing or making it sound the way I want it to sound. Or you have a bad practice day. Yeah. It's like you like you can't do something that you're like, I've literally done this a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. Like, why can't I execute? Like yeah. <laughs> Or a lot of times what will happen to me is I'll I'll have like a sneeze attack before I'm getting ready to, to do some vocals. I already have a stopped up nose twenty four seven. So sneezing, it's like somebody just stuffed their fingers up my nose and now I'm gonna try to record some vocals. Like, okay. That just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. But that happens a lot of times. That happened right before you showed up. I sneezed and I thought, oh, great. This is going to be an extra stuffy episode. Perfect. <laughs> well, we're approaching your cutoff time for Din Din. Oh, and man. I think we've addressed everything that I've got on here. Sick. So I appreciate your time and any uh, directions that we should direct people <laughs> to check out some of your stuff. Um, Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm in a few different bands, you know, like Inferior just released of Sunless Realms late last year. So if you have not heard that or you have not seen any of the playthroughs or our riff dissection videos and you want to learn how to dissect some sick riffs and play them for yourselves, definitely hit us up on YouTube, uh, Inferior official page uh, and on all the social medias. Equipoise has a lot of new stuff in the works as well. So if you have not heard our latest album, Demiurgis, uh, you might want to get acquainted with it before we throw a lot more notes your direction. Uh, <laughs> so many. There's lots of notes. Yes. Oh, so many notes. I'm also in a black metal band called Ashen Horde. So if, you know, a fusion of black and death metal is your thing, definitely worth checking out. We do have an album that should be released later this year, hopefully, uh, on Transcending Obscurity Records that is in the pipeline already. So just waiting for that to happen. And Tethys also has a lot of new material in the works. So, you know, once again, if you're not familiar with old stuff, definitely go check it out. Uh, Lots more coming your way soon. Excellent. Yeah. All right. I'll provide some links and such in the uh, show notes for this. Much appreciated. And thanks for having me, man. This has been fun. Definitely. Until next time. Yep. Peace. Later. Rusty's Escape Pod. Rusty's Escape Pod.